um, you spoke to us uh, through your word and through song and liturgy and pray you would strengthen Rabbi Stewart as it takes a rest this afternoon. And we commit this time to you learning from Proverbs um, what you have to say for us. In Yeshua's name, thank you. Amen. Amen. So I am what's called a Socratic teacher um, in that I don't lecture. Um, I really prefer interacting with students and it might take a little bit longer, but I think that people need to think. And um, when my husband was alive, my husband, Jan, he used to, he was a professor and he used to say that the, one of the biggest problems with American education was that people did not learn how to think critically. So he stressed with our children when he attempted to teach them something that they would not have a simple answer. So um, I really do prefer to interact with you guys and, and to get you thinking. And I appreciate so much what you have to say. So we'll, we'll go on like that, okay? So why did I want to teach on Proverbs? When I was raising my children who are now 41 and 37, and I have two grandchildren who are three and six, um, when I was raising my children, you know, I, I tried to get up before everybody in the house. Um, I couldn't read a lot of the Bible, but I read Proverbs. I read it over and over again. You know, it's 31 Proverbs, so I would pick one for, for every day. And I did that for years. And then I found out that I was in good company, that Billy Graham did the same thing, and that a friend of mine, David Brickner, who's the executive director of Jews for Jesus, that he does that. Um, and it was enough of the Bible to, you know, give me a little bit of wisdom for the day. And um, I found that it was really helpful for me in raising my children. So when they were older and they were like in high school, we did devotions around the dinner table in the book of Proverbs. Um, they were not as enthusiastic about it as I was, but we did it anyway. And um, so I do believe that we can learn how to live from the book of Proverbs and how much we need that now, probably more than any other time, um, the basic principles of wise living. And that, um, you know, so Proverbs is one of the books of the Bible that's called wisdom literature. What are the, just unmute, unmute yourself. What are the other books of the Bible that are considered wisdom literature? By the way, there are no real wrong answers. There are some obviously more right answers than others, but um, I will not laugh. We will not laugh if, if an answer is wrong. Okay, so the other books of the Bible that are considered wisdom literature. Okay, Job, Ecclesiastes, 
and to some degree, Psalms and the Song of Songs are also considered um, wisdom thoughts. But definitely Proverbs, Job, and Ecclesiastes are more commonly known as the wisdom literature in the Bible. So just keep that in mind. I use the words wisdom literature. Um, let me just tell Steve, um, he has one of these pieces of toy, of the toy. Okay. So that's what he's trying on. Anyway, okay, we're refereeing the dog, the puppy dog. Um, who is eating my granddaughter's toys. Um, anyway, so that is um, maybe a word that you're not necessarily comfortable with, the idea that this is literature. So we're gonna talk about, um, you know, what are the types of teachings in the Bible? Um, but, uh, in Proverbs, basically, if you don't remember anything else from today, we're given practical wisdom for living. And who doesn't need that? Practical wisdom for living. Now you might want to protest and say, well, what about scriptural wisdom for living? Sure. <laughs> Proverbs, in being practical wisdom, helps us to live out the other type of wisdom and teachings that are in the Bible. So all of it um, builds on each other. And um, if we look at Proverbs 1, uh, which I would love if you did, Right here, right from the start, you don't have to guess what is, um, what is the book of Proverbs about? So the purpose of the book of Proverbs, um, Michael Ramos, can you read um, Proverbs 1, um, 1 through 4? Sure, let me just pull up the... Fine. Uh, the Michael, you're you're uh, muted. Michael, we can't hear you. You're muted. Michael, you're muted. No. Yeah, okay. I'm sorry. Yeah, because I'm, I'm on the, um, sorry, I was experiencing technical difficulties. I was trying to, okay, but I am finding it right now through the, the Bible. One to four. Okay. But the purpose of the book of Proverbs is. So, okay, again, with the references, Proverbs, a chapter, first chapter. Well, Verses one to four. Okay. All right. I'm sorry. Here we go. The Proverbs of Shlomo, the son of David, king of Israel, are for learning about wisdom and discipline, for understanding words, expressing deep insight, for gaining an intelligently disciplined life, 
doing what is right, just, and fair, for endowing with caution those who don't think and the young person with knowledge and discretion. So like no other book of the Bible starts off by saying, oh, this is what this book is about. Right away, it tells you um, look for these words in verse two, to know wisdom, to discern wisdom, how to, how to sort of get wisdom, and then how to understand um, living wisely. So why would you not read this book? Um, I think sometimes we like to um, like be deep learners. And so we might attempt to, you know, understand first and second chronicles, but right away, we have something like that's right in our face that is so practical. And um, basically in these, just these very few verses, he is saying, Listen, if you're wise, you'll appreciate hearing more wise things. Oh, so then the opposite is true too. If you're not wise, you're not gonna appreciate the book of Proverbs. Um, also, you could be um, sort of wisdom proof and not be willing to receive, but the wise person in verse five, let the wise hear and increase in learning and the one who understands obtain guidance. So why would you not read Proverbs? I mean, I don't think any one of us, or I don't think most people would say, yeah, I don't really care about uh, learning how to live wisely. Um, sometimes living wisely is inconvenient. Actually, it's often inconvenient. It goes against human nature, but um, the wise person is, is willing to hear and evaluate what they're hearing. So um, it's important to read, uh, to read wisdom literature and to read the book of Proverbs. And really, because there are 31 of them, it is a very easy discipline to get into to uh, read one day. And then you come to the end of the month and you go, oh, and you just start all over again. So how many people think that um, Proverbs contains theology? Or, Melissa, Melissa what's your, would, you, would you move a little bit to your right? Yeah, no, I'll move um, this. Oh, that's okay. Everybody, everybody needs to know that this is being recorded. And basically, whoever is talking, that's who the camera goes to. Okay. Oh, I can move up a little bit as well. Um, so tell me your views on, is the book of Proverbs theology? Erica, you're smart. What do you think? Um, it, I wouldn't say that it contains theology. I mean, I think it can inform theology, but it's, 
it's not it's not specific statements declaring the nature of God or the nature of God's, you know, expectations of us as much as kind of inform the way we think about God. Mm. That is good answer. Any other thoughts? Is with is um, Proverbs theology. Okay. It's not theology um, per se. Melissa. Someone Melissa? was going to Yeah, Patricia. Yeah. It's bad. Um, so I, I think it's more about how how to live. Well, yeah, we said that really, I, about how to live. Yeah, I mean that's what I think it's more about. I don't look to it for teaching me uh, theology. That is not that wouldn't be my go-to book for that. Right. That's a good that's a good thought. You wouldn't go to the book of Proverbs to learn any deep theology, probably. However, in, in learning how to live, are we looking for deep theology? Hold on one second, please. Hey, Steve. Yeah. He's taking he's taking these little wooden pieces out of that. Okay, Can you just pick that up? And he's 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 managed to eat a few of them. Um, anyway, sorry. I gave my daughter my daughter my granddaughter this. Um, can you just pick the whole thing up and put it on the table? Yeah. All right. Anyway, um, so you know, in wanting to learn how to live, we do seek out we do seek out theology. Theology um, teaches us the mind of God on His instructions, but in the wisdom books, there actually are two types of theology that we don't often think of. And one is um, that God made things with order. He made this world with order and he invites us to look around at his creation to see the order of this creation and um, how things operate as God caused them to work. So that's why there are examples of um, people, animals, the natural world. God has given, put these things right in front of us. He's put creation in front of us and um, teaches us wisdom through those things in the book of Proverbs. So there's a creation theology in the book. And um, give you an example. See how God works as the creator through the ant. So Proverbs 6, 6, the way it's worded, it says, consider the ant you sluggard. Now let's look at it. Okay. I haven't, since I've been doing this study, I appreciate so much more. Um, why is it used the ant? Because part of God's creation, it's so small. And yet God is saying, you can learn through this. If you observe the ant. Okay. So in my Bible, Proverbs 6, 6 says, go to the ant 
O sluggard, consider her ways and be wise. So he's saying, uh, if you're a sluggard, think about the ant. Think about what the ant does and it will teach you to be wise. You'll learn some things. Okay, that's pretty in interesting that we could learn from something as insignificant as an ant, but ants have certain behaviors that um, God wants us to consider for ourselves. Um, the ant is carrying things from one storage area to another, and maybe we should learn something from that. They prepare um, to have food. You ever see like a, um, like a line of ants, you know, and they're following each other? Um, well, consider that behavior. There's not like one ant that's carrying food to provide for all the other ants. They're all taking care of their, the community of ants. So think about that. If you're a sluggard, what do you need to do? You need to become part of a community um, that will provide for itself, or you need to be a valuable person in the community doing your part. Well, that's a lot of theology to learn from something that's as small as an ant. Um, and what God is using Proverbs for is to say, look, this is how nature works. It's right in front of your face and it would be wise for you to learn something from that. Otherwise, in verse 11 of chapter six, it says, if you don't think about these things and you don't do them, poverty is gonna come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. Now. That makes sense. If you're a sluggard, you know, you don't get out of bed till like, let's say 11 and you drink coffee till two and like you watch some television and like you go, oh, I don't know, like, I don't know if I should get out and look for a job and da, 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 da. Yeah, man, you're going to end up with a robber in your life, except you're the robber because you just robbed yourself productivity like the ant has so something you know it's um it's it, this idea of creation theology just look at what's around you um we we have we're renting a house and um you know before <laughs> before i moved to california in 1976 i never saw anything grow on a tree i, I was from the bronx <laughs> And, um, you know, I lived like I'd never gone anywhere where I saw anything grow. And um, so I also didn't know very much about how to take care of uh, things that produce food for us. So Steve and I in this house that we're renting, there's a citrus tree. We didn't know what it was, but it's kind of like wild. So in the end now, we have a lot of these little, little tangerines on it. I think that once this, this tree is pruned in the spring or whenever these tangerines are finished, um, it's going to get pruned and it's going to produce more fruit. But if we leave it as it is, which is sort of fairly wild, 
it won't be as productive. So all I need to do, I'm looking at the tree right now, and I just need to say, yeah, if you take care of things and even tend to them and give them what they need to grow, they'll be more productive in your life. So um, that's you know an example of creation theology. Just look at what's around you. Um, also, if you look around you, you can see how people act and what is the um, fruit of their actions. People who are notoriously angry, you know, who let themselves be led by a lot of anger, um, people who, you know, insult other people, um, you can learn things from that too. Uh, so be careful what kind of friends you make. And Proverbs talks a lot about that, you know, watch who you associate with. If you walk with the wise, you will be wise as well. And then the converse is true. You know, walk with foolish people, you become foolish. So right in front of us, creation is teaching us lessons if we will observe and listen to them. Um, another example of this is in Proverbs 9. Um, no, sorry, sorry, not, not yet. So we have creation theology in uh, the book of Proverbs, and then we also have retribution theology. Uh, another name for that is payback. Not karma, but payback. And uh, you reap what you sow. I would say that every one of us has learned that, okay? You get what's coming to you. Um, again, it's not karma, but, you know, the Proverbs tell us that the righteous person who is wise is in contrast to the wicked person who acts foolishly. Oh, so right away you see that behavior teaches us. So um, be careful who you associate with. Um, there's a blessing um, for the righteous person and cursing for the wicked. Um, now, Job, so before I, I'm going to head off any arguments, Job is an example of someone who was righteous, who really suffered. It didn't look like he was uh, be, being, being blessed. Uh, he's an exception to this. Not, that, not a contradiction, but an exception. And we'll talk a little bit about that as we go on. So let's look at Proverbs 9. Oh, boy. Okay. So I have learned this so much. How many of you have ever had someone in your life who was a scoffer? Or were you ever a scoffer? Um, so, um, Rusty, can you read Proverbs 9, uh, 7 to 9? But unmute yourself, too. Yeah, you think that works better, huh? Okay, Proverbs 9, 7 to 9. Seven to nine. Seven to nine? Mm-hmm. 
he who creates a scoffer gets dishonor for himself, and he who reproves a wicked man gets insults for himself. Do not reprove a scoffer, at least he hate you. Reprove a wise man, and he will love you. Give instructions to a wise man, and he will be still wiser. Teach a righteous man, and he will increase his learning. Okay, so this is definitely um, this concept of retribution. You know, the way, um, the way you encounter certain types of personalities, you sure better think about how you um, deal with them. Someone who scoffs, you know, at good ideas or at ideas that are not their own. Uh, be careful, you know, how you talk to these people, you're never going to feel satisfied. Never. They're just never going to give you what you hope for in the conversation. However, in verse nine, if you speak to a wise person, they're just going to grow wiser. And so will you. So wisdom has a lot to do with um, looking at what's around you and also at the people that are around you and observing the behavior of creation and the behavior of people. Melissa, and, yes. I, I just looked up a different version of, of um, the, the one that I read originally was New American Standard. This is the, the new JPS. Okay. <clears throat> to correct a scoffer or rebuke a wicked man for his blemish is to call down abuse on yourself. Okay, so what do you learn from that, Rusty? To not, not get into other people's business. That what? Not get into other people's business. I have a problem at times if I know something as a specific. I know how walking canes should be measured and I know how people really screw with them and, and how they make noises that don't have they don't have to make. Yes. And it's like if I know somebody, I can say, come over here and I'll fix this for you. And they go, oh, okay. But part of me always wants to go up to the people that, that have a cane that's way too short or way too long and say, let me fix this for you because it'll be a lot better. And it's right. like, I don't know these people. I have, have no reason other than this desire to go over and tell them something's wrong about themselves. And it's like, no, stay away from it. Because if I go do that, I'm bringing it, it's, it's, I'm going to end up the, the, the one with the abuse. Exactly. Wait, Erica, you wanted to say something too. Uh, well, first I want to say, Rusty, thank you for that particular translation. It's, <laughs> it's right in line with the whole... I, I see this as, you know, related to Yeshua's warn, warning about the pearl before the swine, you know, someone who just can't or won't appreciate. I, I there are people that have been in my lives. I, I, I have the phrase time vampires. It, it doesn't matter how much or how carefully I tried. It's always the same problem. And, and they just never want to hear look, you know, whereas I'll be out total strangers on the street, you know, and I'll have a word, a word to the wise, 
is sufficient. Hey, you know, I've, I've had that same problem. Are you interested? They're either yes or no. And whereas, yeah, no, Th- thank you. Time vampires. Hmm. Anybody add to that? So we're, are we talking about scoffers still? Yeah, we're talking about scoffers, yeah. Scoffers. So, uh, because I, I think about what words mean. So scoffing, is that somebody who's um, derisive, would you say, uh, that they're just going to take every opportunity to disagree or to, or to shoot down somebody or something? Okay. Totally. I think it's it's part of the political landscape right now. Then we have oh, scoffers on sure. both sides. Yeah. Great examples of that. No, um, you're 100% right. Yeah, go ahead, Michael. Yeah, yeah. And, and I also think of the term toxic personality. Uh-huh. Uh, people that when you're around them, uh, rather than you rubbing off on them in a good way, they tend to drag down your spirit. And this is like, we have to be wise stewards. Uh, not only with our resources of money, but also with time. And um, as somebody mentioned about not casting pearls before swine, we, we should have a spirit of discernment to evaluate every encounter and uh, to ask the Holy Spirit to give us wisdom. Do we engage in the in um, furthering the conversation with this person? Or is this a person who's just looking for someone to talk to and has no intention of changing? Totally. Okay, totally. And then not. So let me, (laughs) because sometimes people can surprise you. You're muted. I just did that by accident. Sorry. Um, uh, I want to say yes to what you said, and then a a cautious no. People can change. Proverbs are general points of view, okay? Uh, Proverbs are like a generally true statement. Not true for every situation, but generally you can count that this is the way something's going to work out if you do it. Like, yeah, if you speak to someone who you, who is a scoffer, they're just going to scoff at your idea. But I think we equally could be open to the idea that people change. People can change. And, uh, do you ever have like a friend you didn't see them for a few years and then you know you, you meet them somewhere or they pop up on Facebook and inside of yourself you go nope don't talk to that person don't talk to that person and then you realize wow they're a little different and they didn't scoff so that's why I'm stressing is the idea that proverbs are generally true points of view um, of course, there are exceptions. And yet, I think what you said about well, whoever said the word toxic, who said the word toxic? Was it Mike? Um, I have only had, I'm, se- I'm 70 years old. I've had only two friends in the last 
30 years that I can no longer be friends with because they are consistently scoffers. They are consistently not kind to me. And, you know, as a believer, you ask yourself, is it right not to, um, you know, to cut off a relationship? Well, this sure says, don't reprove a scoffer or he will hate you. Um, sometimes it is, you know, sometimes it is. Um, and yet, of course, we can always just be surprised by the ability to change and by the Holy Spirit's um, ability uh, to change a person. So, um, you know, if anything that I want you to get from looking at Proverbs is the understanding that this is what is generally true about how life works out. Um, but they are general rules, okay? And that sometimes there are exceptions to the rule. And so I think when there are exceptions, people get thrown off and you go, wait a second, I don't get that. And, and we're gonna look at some scriptures that are like that. I'm sure you already know this, this stuff. So do you, do you think that's an opportunity to learn? Because I, I've found that sometimes when people are very uh, one-sided about things, that if I steer it and I ask a question in a, from another angle, it either gives them pause to think about it and, and be able to address my question. Or it gives like, uh, I think it was Rusty saying, somebody said, no, they're not interested. They're never gonna be interested. It's okay, you know, let it go. Uh, but it can be an opportunity to steer people toward God and, and what he's got to say about, the, about things. And I think what you just said is an example of this, that behavior, you know, observing behavior, there are sort of like general um, things that we see in people. Yet, if you are wise in dealing with a person like this, you may be able to change their behavior or you may be able to get them to at least question it. I mean, obviously, you know, and I won't say a lot about this, obviously the, the political scene, the vaccination scene, these things are so difficult right now for the last couple of years are so difficult that I think many of us sort of already in our brains have like, we know what our side is and with other people that we know, we know what their side is. And only recently, actually, I will admit, there is a person who I think I cannot engage with at all because they're not kind um, in their scoffing. Um, when I tried to just bring something up and um, actually it had to do with, they have a, a tendency, they're believers, but they have a tendency to put up these inflammatory headlines from articles. And then when I go to look for that article, you know, that that's the headline of, the article does is is not saying only that and when i've questioned the person on it they they just muddle it like they won't deal with it but i have said to them you know when you put up such an inflammatory statement it's um it's 
it's people are deluded by it. Well, then it became a thing of how come I'm always trying to correct this person. So that particular person is someone that I have had to decide not to deal with. There's just no getting in. But so again, you know, these are general rules of behavior and um, it's good to keep that in mind. There's two, we'll go on, unless someone has, anyone else has something they would like to say. Okay, great. Um, there's two types of wisdom. One is um, proverbial, and that's sort of like just practical wisdom. So I have a friend named Tim Sigler, and uh, he used this example of what uh, practical wisdom is. It's sort of like, like, like the problems of everyday living. And he has this, this expression, um, don't hire an electrician without eyebrows. <laughs> okay, so that's like, you know, sort of like a pithy state uh, saying, but it makes a lot of sense. Okay, that's not quite um, in the book of Proverbs, but that is like, you know, sort of like a practical wisdom. Then there's, um, which I, I'll tell you what, if I went around to each person, you know, who I see on the screen, you know, give me an example of some practical wisdom that you have learned. Anybody want to? give an ounce of practical wisdom that you have learned in life? Oh, come on. All of us have dealt with whatever's. Well, I'm thinking about, and I'm, I have to steal it from Proverbs, but it applied to my thinking. Okay. And uh, so there's this proverb, the trouble, or the, um, let's see, what is it? The wise see trouble and hide. Uh, mm -hmm. And um, I can't remember the exact wording of the description of the other kind of person, but anyway, but others will go on and pay the penalty. Yeah, just they, they just plow through and then they pay the penalty. Like they don't avoid the trouble. Exactly, right. And yeah. so it applied to my thinking with the whole COVID thing. This is how, I, you know, and I see both sides. But, you know, for me, it's like, I don't want to get it. I haven't gotten it as far as I know. I don't ever want to get it. Mm -hmm. so I just see trouble coming. And my way of hiding is do the best I can to sort through all the information, make a decision <laughs> to do and do it. And then hope that, you know, and hope and pray that God will bless. But my eyes are open. Hey, you know, I got to do something. Okay. So, um, you know, perhaps, I don't want to be political or anything, perhaps a shortened, you know, version of that practical wisdom is uh, don't walk into a room where no one's um, wearing a mask. Let's just say, okay? Like, again, we're not going to discuss masks, okay? But um, if we were going to discuss masks, that might be sort of like a shortened version of what you just said. It's like practical wisdom. Um, I, when we were getting married, um, I haven't worn high heels for so many years. I, my kids wear like five inch heels. Um, so 
I wanted to wear heels though with my dress. And so I found these heels that were probably two inches high. Okay, that's practical wisdom. I mean, that's, you know, it's no big deal, but it definitely was practical. However, the real practicality was from a friend of mine gave me a suggestion that I should buy a pair of white flip-flops and wear those like, and I did after we had all our pictures taken. That was the real wisdom. Okay, I still have them. I'm not going to wear them for anything else, probably. Those are my wedding flip-flops. They cost about a dollar. The other shoes, a lot of money. Okay, so we're talking about, you know, two types of wisdom. One is proverbial. It's, um, it's very practical. It's, uh, you know, just everyday life wisdom. And then there's non-proverbial type of wisdom, which we find in Ecclesiastes, which is more philosophical. Um, Job, which is a series of long extended dialogues and monologues, very contemplative. So they're sort of almost like opposites of each other. You, you would hardly think that Job would say something about, you know, if you sit on rocks, um, your, your tush is gonna hurt. No, he, he, he didn't say things like that, um, but he, he probably did sit on rocks. So just know that practical wisdom is, is it's where we're really trying to get to. Um, again, I felt that I could teach my children almost solely through the book of Proverbs um, to teach them how to live when they were growing up. Anyway, okay, so um, let's see how we could do this. Maybe, maybe, yes, there, maybe there is theology more than I realized now that you're speaking, the more yes. you're speaking, because um, one of the things I taught Jacob, my son, when he was growing up was the power of life and death is in the tongue. It caused him to think about his speech. Exactly. It was. And this is very much in line with how God would have us live. <laughs> so much so. And I know Jacob. And he is um, he, he's he he's not extremely talkative, but when he talks, you're really glad to be with him. And his wife as well. Like he is a um, he's a person who watches his words. And he's also very kind. So um, let's talk about three different roles of people in the Old Testament and how they would deal with, let's, let's say, what is God, how does God speak to us on the subject of adultery, okay, in the Old Testament? So the priest, um, in talking about adultery would be concerned with defilement, okay? Um, and, and the rituals that you would need to take on um, if you've sinned, okay? So the role of the priest, um, when it comes to the topic of adultery, or the, not the topic, the, uh, the act of adultery, you know, centers on defilement. The prophet is concerned with proclamation. Don't commit adultery. Thou shalt not. 
right? Um, it's sin. The sage um, is concerned with the moral consequences of adultery. Um, so instead of saying thou shalt not, or, um, you know, this is how you have to sacrifice if you've been defiled, the sage says, I would not suggest that you commit adultery. So you see the difference? You know, um, the sage is saying, uh, it's really foolish to commit adultery. Um, so wisdom is appealing to your sensibilities that you would think wisely about your actions. So in a way, the sage is the one who is um, directing behavior. Okay. And Proverbs 7, um, I read this, you know, I skip a lot of days, but on um, January 7th, I read Proverbs 7. And when I was preparing for this study, I just loved the way I was able to see how Proverbs 7 is constructed. So if you turn to that, um, and uh, um, so Proverbs uh, 7, you know, is the, the headline on mine is warning against the adulteress. Okay, so if this was a newspaper, uh, um, not a newspaper, like a, a magazine article, let's say in Good Housekeeping, warning against the adulteress. Well, Michael, you might not know Good Housekeeping magazine, but maybe others are more familiar, or maybe you're familiar with it. But um, anyway, so it starts off by saying, look, son, and it starts with my son. So you think about how does a parent speak to a child about adultery? Doesn't say thou shalt not, or you sure are gonna have to make a lot of sacrifices of pigeons and bulls and all sorts of things if you commit adultery. But here he's saying, keep my words. You can really see a father sitting with a child. Keep my words, not just keep them. Um, bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Like, like get inside your kishkis with them. And then he goes, look, I'll tell you a story. Now, verses um, six, until um, in Proverbs seven or six till um, I think it's almost uh, to 23, six to 23 is some sort of story. We don't know if the father is making up this story, but I started to think that he was where he's saying, look, I wanna teach you about the the, the pitfalls of adultery in a way that you can understand. So look, I'm looking out my window and I see, you know, a, a young person who lacks sense. So in a way, this proverb is, is an expression of the father to his, his child, his son, his daughter, you know, in this case, a son saying, 
don't be the person who lacks sense. And tells this whole, it's almost actually, every time I read this, I laugh a little bit because this brazen woman um, says, I will love verse 19, for my husband is not at home. He's gone on a long journey. He took a bag of money with him. Okay, come on. This is like some made up story. It's got to be, but the father is using like hyperbole to get across to the son the dangers of engaging um, in adultery. But he doesn't use the words thou shalt not. He doesn't say you're a sinner. He says in verse 24, and now, O sons, now it becomes bigger than just speaking to his son. He's talking to all sons. So that's where we see this um, you know, behavior, this sort of behavior theology coming in. And he says, listen to me. Be attentive to the words of my mouth. Let not your heart turn aside to her ways. Do not stray into her paths. For many a victim has she laid low. Uh, da, 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 going down to the chambers of death. So here he's warning again against adultery, but not as the prophet and not as the priest, but as the sage. And yet it, it's to have the same effect. So that's where Proverbs deals with behavior, principles of wise living. I love that. You know, for the first time I looked at it and said, yeah, maybe he's making up a story. My husband did that with our children. He was a phenomenal storyteller. He had so many stories and, um, and he used them to teach about behavior. So does that help, you know, does that help, um, is that helpful to you? Does anybody want to say anything? Sorry about my dog. Um, okay, dog, he's very little, he's only 10 pounds, but he has a big voice. Um, any other thoughts on this? It's really, um, it's really a good example of how teaching through story, how mm -hmm. effective that is, mm -hmm. not, not only to children, um, you know, of course, we're used to that as kids, but we need that as adults. We right. learn through the stories that we tell each other and even the, the ones we tell ourselves. Sometimes we have to change our, our own stories, our self-talk. Yeah, so much so story, you know, is so, so, so important. And, and um, culturally, story has become more important um, in, I'd say, I've heard about story, probably the last 20 years, it's become more a part of um, cultural behavior. And, uh, and it's really important. It's also a way of affirming a person by listening so the stories that they tell and what they learned from them. Okay, we're never gonna finish. Um, uh, let's, I wanted to give you some sort of hints for understanding some of the Proverbs. Um, and uh, these, these are some examples of, of uh, Proverbs that I'm sure I've gotten wrong and now I'm having more understanding. So Proverbs 20 verse seven, these are pretty common. 
Um, Pat, can you read that? Ah, this is this is important. So Proverbs twenty-seven. Okay, the righteous life. The righteous live a life of integrity. Happy are their children after them. Okay. This seems to speak sort of like in an absolute way, which is sort of that rep retribution theology. Like if you're righteous and you walk in, in, in integrity, your children will be blessed. Uh, but what does this really mean? Because Job is an example of someone who was righteous. Man, his children were not blessed. They died. Okay. Uh, maybe that was a blessing to somebody, but um, it wasn't. Uh, um, so this is an example of, of a proverb that is a generally true statement. Um, I, I don't want to get too much into the theology of this, but people, and it may be you, and it, it definitely has been me, look at that scripture and say, well, if I live a life of integrity, my children are going to be blessed and they will be happy. And then it turns out not to be true. But the idea that the children are blessed, it is a blessing to have parents who walk in their integrity. It is a blessing, even if, even if the child won't acknowledge it. It is still a blessing. The converse of that would be having parents who are just wicked. That's no blessing to the child. So whether the child recognizes it or not, it still is true that they are blessed by having parents who walk in their integrity. Um, the word happy being there, I don't love that word because it's sort of like a state of being which goes up and down, not usually nothing to do with your parents, except if you're 15 years old, you know, when your parents take away your phone, um, then you're not happy. But um, so it does, but it doesn't describe how the children will be blessed. You know, if you look at that, it doesn't say how the children are going to be blessed. So if you sort of claim that, this is where Proverbs doesn't make for good theology as uh, we like to think about it. Um, because it doesn't say how the child will be blessed. But, um, so it's, it's an example of a generally true statement. And I hope that doesn't shake up anybody, you know, who's in the study, but, um, so often when I claimed scriptures over my children and they went the other way, I was blown out, especially when I claimed Proverbs for them. But now I can look at this as, hmm, these are generally true statements. It's not specific. Yeah, it's like you can't be dogmatic. You can't take it and be dogmatic with it. Like this no. is always going to be true. It's just it's just a gen general principle. It's a good word, dogma. You know, um, this is not dogma. Okay, 
Any other thoughts before I go on to the next one? Because this is another hot, hot um, proverb that we all use at one time or another. Yes, Erica. Uh, Melissa. Oh, this is Richard. Oh, sorry, Richard. Go ahead. And then Erica. So, uh, so, so, uh, so the book of Proverbs, you just can't name it and claim it or just, or, 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 or I claim this, uh, the, the section of Proverbs, is that correct? I can do to other scriptures? Yeah, I don't know if you were in the beginning, but the book of Proverbs is really a guide to wise living. Okay, so it's a guide. Um, do you get that? That's a little bit different from name it and claim it. Actually, it's a lot different from name it and claim it. So what I'm trying to get across in this study is that proverbs are generally true statements, but they're not prophetic and they're not priestly. Um, maybe at the end, if we have enough time, I don't know if we're going to have enough time, um, uh, or we can, um, you know, carry on this discussion um, afterwards. Um, well, I can't, uh, Richard, but perhaps others can with you. Um, I don't know if that answered your question. Maybe I, maybe it didn't. So, yeah, you did, you did, you did, you did, you did answer, you did answer my question okay. because like you said, like you said in uh, in Job, you've got exceptions. So what do you do when you know, says, well things go against you? God, you know, God allows you to go through certain things, and seems like it seems like it contradicts what's in what's in Proverbs. Or God has His own purpose of working these things out. Um, well, if you take one thing and make that to be the whole truth you'll be very sorry yeah. that's why scripture right. informs scripture okay but remember so this is the book of proverbs is a guide to practical living okay you made it okay. I'm, I'm glad i'm 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 glad you said that it makes that makes uh, understanding proverbs a lot a lot clearer okay well, if you look if you look at the word um, itself at, um, yeah. sorry you can't see that she had her hands up before. It's okay. Uh, it's okay. I was. Just, I think you really hit the nail on the head earlier. I think one of the things, the just the tzaddik, the righteous person, walks in his integrity. That is the blessing to your children. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you've ever seen that movie, Liar, Liar, this poor child is just grieved that his father, who happened to be a lawyer, you know, was just constantly yeah. lying. Yeah, um, I, I think you hit the nail on the head with that, you know, a, because there are parents who have habits or just are not given to whatever it may be. And it is a grief to your children. And if you're yeah. mindful, of, that is the blessing. Erica, you've got it. It doesn't guarantee that your child um, won't lie, but they certainly are blessed by the example of, of having had a parent and probably they're better off in life by having had a parent who had a reputation for not lying 
as opposed to some of perhaps their friends' parents. Now you make a, a really good, a strong point there. And Pat, I know you would like to say something, but I'm gonna go on because we really need to finish because I said I was gonna be done at two. But um, I'd like to go on with this one particular scripture because I have misinterpreted it so many times. Um, it's Proverbs 16, three. If you want to get to it. Okay, so I'll read it. Commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. Now, this is a generally true saying that is worthy of application in most situations. But, and this is a big but, let's say you want to buy a house. Okay. And, you know, you're looking at all the listings and everything and you say, God, this seems good. Okay. I we commit this house to you and um, Lord, your will be done. Now, after you've had the inspection of the house, you find out there's mold, there's this, this and, and like you can just get totally blown out because you wanted that house. You feel God led you to that house. I can't tell you how many times this happened to me. I think I've um, we've owned like six houses or something, you know, uh, since I've been uh, 30 years old, um, which is not too bad. Uh, other people have owned more. But the idea, this is not saying commit. Uh, the research you've done to find a house to God and he'll establish what you have done. No, he'll establish what his plans are for you. But if you commit your way to him and it's all in that word commit, we have a lot of crazy ideas about what that word means. We think and I don't know if this is true for you, we think that if we say, but I committed it to the Lord, that that means he was going to do it. But we have some shaky ways of committing things to God, because when we can sometimes commit things to God, we're also saying, you're going to do this, aren't you? I don't want any answers from anyone, and I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but how many times have you done that? I am telling you, that I did it in my worst state. I was pregnant with our second child and I was sure we should buy this house. And my husband said no and pointed out all the reasons why. And I looked at him and said, then I'll buy it myself. Okay, we didn't buy it. Um, but I was sure that in my endeavor to get us a better house to live with two children, that God had led me to that house. Okay, so I wanted my plans to be established. But when we're saying commit your work to the Lord, it's meaning, God, this is my work. I give it to you. Uh, could your plans be established in my life? It's, and that's what I really need to want. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. That's very similar kind of a scripture. We think, you know, God knows our desires, but 
delighting yourself in the Lord is very different from what we often think it means. I think it sometimes we think it means I'll be delighted if God would give me that. But really delighting yourself in the Lord is, you know, I don't know how many of you have children or how many of you have a niece or a nephew or a dog, and you took great delight in them. Okay, you poured yourself into them. Um, you, you set your heart on them. Um, so if we do that with God, set our heart on him, then the desires that he has for us will become our desires. Not he will give us everything that we desire. I could go on and on and on, but what I'm saying in this is Proverbs are not promises. And that should answer Richard in what you brought up. Proverbs are not promises. Okay. People claim promises and then are sorely disillusioned. So that, I think that's important for me um, to get across to you. So I think something, and I, this is probably the last thing I'll leave you with. It actually takes skill to apply the right proverb to the right situation. Um, uh, let the proverb work on you. Think about it. Turn it around for various facets. Um, they're not, these proverbs are not instructional. They are lessons in how to live wisely. So I just sounded like I contradicted myself. They're not thou shalt or thou shalt not. I know we, you know, we could talk about this for another hour. I really should leave more time. They're, um, they're not black and white. Although there is a black and white um, truth, but it's really, it's really for us to consider um, what is right behavior. And so it goes back to, and we'll end with this. If you have to think about, if you are trying to determine if, you need to make a choice or you need to make a plan. Um, you need to know what to do. Look, look back at the beginning of Proverbs, um, Proverbs 1. Um, ask yourself, does this situation that I'm up, oh, Griffin, hold on a second. Sorry, I might, oh, hold on a second. Griffin, get down. You're crazy. You're crazy. Get out of here. Sorry, guys. I, I, I puppy sat last, last week. I should have the, asked. The dog truly is crazy. No, I should have asked myself, should I have gotten this dog? Um, okay. It, uh, again, if you are pondering a life situation, uh, thinking about, you know, should I visit that friend? Should I buy this house? Should I go to school? Um, should I call that person? ask yourself, does the situation that I'm in that I'm not sure of demonstrate these three things? And it's back in Proverbs 1. To know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity. Um, righteousness, 
justice and equity. Take a look at the situation that you're in and ask yourself, how am I gonna deal with this particular situation according to righteousness, justice, and equity? And I wish we could have more of a discussion about this, but um, I hope that helps you. Um, you know, I know that I probably challenged some, some beliefs, like this is not doctrine. This is um, in, in um, instructions in practical wisdom for living. We all really need that. And probably now we need it more than ever. So I have about two minutes. Um, any truly, maybe someone who hasn't said very much, any interaction that you'd like to have? Richard, any further thoughts that you wanted to have? Or you don't have to, but I'm just asking, giving you an opportunity. I can't think of- Dad, Richard. I can't think of anything right now. Okay, great. Okay, um, who said that? Was it Rusty? Yeah, Diane had her hand up. Oh, Diane, sorry, honey. Oh, uh, well, first of all, I appreciate this discussion because the Proverbs have always been an enigma to me because I never quite understood why something that was so different from the rest of scripture was in there, um, which really brings me to my question. I kind of lost my train of thought here, but... <clears throat> If we accept that the rest of scripture are absolute truth, how does the Proverbs fit into that thought? Well, I told you that there are three ways that um, um, three ways that um, God speaks um, in the Bible. You know, one. Okay, let's go back to, let's just, let's, one of the 10 commandments is thou shalt not commit adultery. We right. take that to be a hundred percent true, right? Correct. Okay. The priest, when he talked about thou shalt not commit adultery, um, he talked about it from the point of view of um, you will be defiled if you commit adultery and you will need to make these sacrifices. The prophet would say, thou shalt not, it's sin. The sage is saying, I would not suggest that you commit adultery and this is the result if you do. You break up your home, you stray from the path. Do you see how that is how to live out? Thou shalt not commit adultery. It's, it, it's advice on a truth. But Proverbs does not use language of thou shalt not. It says, let me show you why thou shalt not. It gives examples of what will happen to um, the proclamation of sin. 
Okay. Do you understand that? I mean, this is a I bigger. I understand discussion. what you're saying. You know, maybe I'll send you an email that's more. Which would you do you that? Might. I would. I would appreciate from anybody. Um, uh, you know, to send me or to send Rusty or um, you know, to info at um, ahabatzion.org. I'll answer you if I can. Um, <laughs> I I'm not the sage. I'm only like getting to be the, the age of the sage, I think. I think of the age of the sage because I'm turning 71 in a couple of weeks. Ah, it's no longer, oh, I'm 70. Now I'll be 71. So it's a good thing I married Steve when I did because maybe I'll, you know, lose my hearing or I can't see or something. I don't know. Anyway, listen, you guys are great. I love these kinds of teachings because, um, you know, I'm not didactic. Um, I really like to hear what people have to say. So I think when we start smaller groups um, and meeting in smaller groups, we will be able to have these kinds of discussions in a more extended manner. And I, I imagine that that's something we are really missing in not seeing each other or, but you know, Pat, um, so I know Pat's son and his wife and, but I've never met Pat and, um, and yet I feel like I've gotten to know you through, you know, these services and, and now some of these studies because of things that you say. But I know that we are really all missing the physical back and forth with each other, just even to see some of the expression or how someone's holding their hands. You know, we often speak with our hands and my kids do. Um, anyway. I love you people so much. Sorry that I'm cutting this off. It's like, I can't even believe there are more things going on today, but um, I want to pray for you. You just are so attentive and thanks because we are zoomed out. That's all I could say, but doing pretty good for people who are so zoomed out. You know, I think we really are doing pretty well and I appreciate that so many of you are here. So I'm going to pray. Lord, um, oh. We know that, that the hidden things belong to you, and yet you really do want us to learn how to live wisely. So we pray that uh, you would help us to do that. We pray that we would look at Proverbs differently and um, more clearly and learn how to apply these things to our life and to the lives of other people that we know, whether it be our children, our friends, our relatives, um, people that we even haven't met yet. God, um, thank you that you have given us your word, the book of Proverbs, um, to learn how to, to live wisely. Help us to be wise, God. Thank you in Yeshua's name. Amen. Anyway, thanks so, 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 so much. Okay, so... Don't hire an electrician whose eyebrows are um, fried off. <laughs> My friend. Melissa, thank you so funny. much. Probably not a cook either. Thank you, Melissa. <laughs> okay. This is Bye, wonderful, guys. Melissa. Thank you. Bye-bye. Right. Okay. Thank Bye. you Bye. much. Shabbat shalom. Glory, Susan, there you Shabbat are. Shalom. I am here. Yes. Well, all it says it's is iPhone. Oh, I, I wish it wouldn't. I wish it would give my name, but. <laughs> well, if you let me, if, when you get get in, if, if things haven't started yet, 
right. let me know because it's like there are a number of different people that have iPhone. Okay. Like, if, I'll, I, I'll if I can find your picture, you know, if you're if you're up there, I can can do it. Excellent. I will I've, remember I've got, that. I've got somebody out in Texas who doesn't like being on screen. So it's like if I see her uh the 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 sconce on the wall. Or if she's outside when the weather's nice, it's, uh, we see her, the sun umbrella on there um, <laughs> on, uh, with the table and chairs. Right. And I know, it's Lynn. Okay. So if, I, <laughs> if, if I get a picture and I see who it is, I can put your name on there. Excellent. Thank you. I'll remember yeah. that, Rusty. I appreciate it. Okay. Rusty. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye, Patricia. Rusty. Bye. Did did you happen to think of the uh, proverb that says, in a multitude of counselors, there is wisdom? That sounds sort of like the opposite of too many, too many cooks spoil the soup. <laughs> well, I thought about it during our discussion, because if you take one, isolate one proverb, like, uh -huh. you know, I establish, the Lord will establish this if I, if I get, you know, dedicated to him. Um, and you take that as gospel truth, quote unquote, but you haven't talked to anyone else about it. You know, it's like, well, watch out because maybe you need to get some counselors before you make this. It might not be wise. So, <laughs> it, it, it's a balance. It's like you got to look at the whole and not just every every individual proverb. Yeah. 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 Anyway, thank you so much. I really appreciate, really appreciated and enjoyed your prayer today uh, about okay. Our Father Abraham, it blessed me, so I wanted to tell you that. Oh, thank, thank you. you. All right, Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. What, what day I'm, I'm going to show up in, in uh, your part of Arizona? Come, on, come by. You got my number. Really, I don't just show up. I usually call ahead of time. Well, I, there was there's somebody having been on tour with the with the with the Liberated Wailing Wall years ago. There were people like around the country that we got to know, and I was like, oh, okay. There was somebody up in Portland. I used to drive up to Portland from San Francisco and I and have I, I've gone there for vacations. Beautiful. <laughs> it's beautiful up there. I have a sister-in-law, well, an ex-sister-in-law up there. It's gorgeous. When oh, it's yeah. not when it's not raining. Yes. <laughs> well, thank right. you for the work you yeah. do. You're welcome. Take care. Shabbat shalom. Shabbat shalom. Oh, Rusty? Yes, sir. Rusty? Yeah. This is Richard. Yeah. I was looking at Proverbs 8, and here you have the personification of wisdom. Was it Adonai made me as the beginning of his way, the first of the ancient works, as it pointed before the world, what before the stars, before the earth. Proverbs, Proverbs 8, what? 822. Oh, okay. That's. This seems to me is talks about the Torah, and the Torah is speaking, <clears throat> and it's and it's not just the it's not the Hebrew letters of the Torah, but the living reality of the Torah, the Logos. The Lord created <clears throat> at the beginning of His course as the first of His works of old. In the distant past, I was fashioned at the beginning at the origin of earth. There was still no deep when I, when I was brought forth, no springs rich in water. Before the foundation of the mountains were sunk, before the hills I was born, 
I have to go through the the stuff in the, in the section before and then finish this this section. Um, I mean, what 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 did he make before? Where's Genesis one? When God began to create heaven and earth, the earth being unformed and void with darkness over the surface of the deep and a wind from God sweeping over the water. And God, well, the first thing that's there is the water, is the water except here it says no springs rich in water. There's yeah. still, still no deep but, when I was brought forth, no springs rich in water. So he could be talking about heaven. Because no, like, but he's talking about he made me be at the beginning of his way, or he possessed me. In other words, or he possessed me at the beginning of his way. <clears throat> this sounds like a it, living it reality. Says, it says the Lord created me at the beginning of his course. The Hebrew word is kone, which could be either made me, created, or possessed me. Well, I'm I'm looking in the the JPS version. Yeah, well. So I, that's that's all I can tell you. I. This seems to me it talks about the logos or the uh, word of God preceding could be. creation. Could be. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing is, I, you find I find some 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 sections of Proverbs does have theology in it, even you know doctrinal theology, like chapter eight. Yeah, I, I think it probably does. And I think um, it seems to me that each of the Proverbs has its own theology, depending upon the subject matter. Well. As long as the theologies fit together. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, enjoy talking to you. Have a good weekend. Have a good Shabbat. You too. Okay. Uh, Marsh, you want to say? See you guys Wednesday night. Yeah. What happened, uh, my, to, your, what my, happened uh, to your tablet? You, you, oh, the. The, the internet the internet was turned off somehow it didn't get paid and somehow i'll be working out some finan financial arrangements to, to turn on the uh, to turn on to, to turn yeah. on the uh, computer yeah. oh marsha wants to say marsha wants to say hello hi rusty hello marsha how are you i'm doing good thank you just getting over a cold a little laryngitis yeah. How are you? I'm How are I'm, you? I I thank God I have continued to be healthy. Unless I unless I've had something that had absolutely no symptoms. So knock on wood, because I've I've done some things that were probably not real wise to have done and gone places where there were other people that weren't wearing masks and stuff. But <clears throat> 
it seems like I'm still healthy. Oh God, yes, Richard. Yeah, I'm gonna look at the I'm gonna, I'm gonna look at the Proverbs more more carefully because of the test because a thought just occurred to me. You got these ten words of the Torah and each of these proverbs talks about the applications of the the wisdom is the how you apply the Torah to your life. Uh-huh. Do you ever what go wisdom on to, in the, go, do, go ahead. Yeah, do you ever go on to Bible Gateway or Bible Hub? Yeah. Okay. I, I use Bible. Yeah. Yes, Bible Gateway has um, the complete Jewish Bible on it. The Bible Hub doesn't have. I think both of them have the Orthodox Jewish Bible, which is really not Orthodox Jewish. It's it's I mean if if they said it was a a translation like what what David Stern did, I would find no problem yeah. with that. It's it's the pro the problem is it's it's making itself out to be something that it's not. Well, I use I I use I use uh, uh, the Bible I usually read or study out of is is the original Standard Version David Stern's uh, translation. Yeah, I go yeah. back and forth. I, I, I'll go look stuff up on a Bible Hub or um, Bible Gateway, depending on on what I, you know, which version I'm looking for. Yeah. Just because sometimes it's yeah. easier to it's easier to look at it there and get twelve different versions of the of the verse all at once without having to go get twelve different books. Yeah, that's what I like about the computer. I can go into. Uh... Yeah. You know, I, I, and I and I can access Strong's, you know, strong concordance too. Yeah, yeah, that, that's really nice. Yeah. Um, it's also nice. It's like I'm going to be doing a study in April, just before Passover, um, on the women of Passover, and I can go on and, I mean, I I'm guessing that that's probably where Stuart gets his stuff, because you can just sit there and and. and cut and paste the whole section. Excuse me. Uh, Rusty, are you talking about Bible Gateway or are you talking about Bible Hub? Both. Okay. Because I know on Bible Hub, they've got like 12 different, more than 12 different versions of the Bible or a different oh, yeah. verse. They've got more than that, but I don't know. I don't remember how many when you when you get pick out a verse, I don't remember how many they give, how many different versions they give you all at once. There's just a oh, yeah. bunch of them. Yeah, because it depends on they'll give now they've added an you know a section that's really really old so you can go really far back. But I didn't know if you meant Bible Gateway or Bible Hub. No, I was I was just asking no, Richard if, if he if he knew about those because that would give him the different versions to go look up, and would give him you know and he, could, he could use Strong's to get the meanings for the words. Right. Yeah. It, and the Strong's at, at the bottom gives you the Hebrew translation. Uh -huh. Yeah, by its Bible. Huh? You know, what I when I study the Psalms, or uh, what I do is I go to uh, a section of the Bible like Psalm 24, this Psalm, I say, in Hebrew and English, comma, interlinear. Uh -huh. when I, when I, you know, and I, I want to see the Hebrew, and if I'm not sure 
well, how many meetings are there? So I, and I would hit 